0: This is Transistor, a science series from PRX. I'm Genevieve Sponsler here at Transistor, the mostly weekly science podcast from PRX. And hey, we noticed we need to get some math stories in here. Lucky for us, we have this gem from science reporter Ari Daniel. Take it away, Ari.
1: I have a confession to make. I love math. I minored in it in college. I would have taken more math classes if I could have fit them into my schedule. And these days, one of my favorite things to do as a reporter is to talk to people who get to love math for a living.
2: It corresponds to a partial derivative. That's
1: telling you the rate of change. People like Tim Chartier. He's a mathematician at Davidson College in North Carolina. And there are two things that set this guy apart from a lot of mathematicians. First, he cares a lot about getting others to care about math.
2: I really enjoy teaching those last math class of your life classes, where often a large percentage of the students really would rather not take the class. It's not even that. They hate math, but they have to take the class. On the first day of class, I turn to the class and I say, you may have never had a positive experience
1: in math in your life. Well, we have 16 weeks for you to have one. So that's the first thing you need to know about Chartier. The other thing is that he's a professional mime.
2: I'm a mime and a mathematician. I mean, what the heck is that?
1: And even farther out on the the what-the-heck spectrum is that for the last decade, Chartier has been combining his two loves in a performance genre he calls mime-matics. It's mime about mathematics.
2: People don't have a good view of either one. And I'm insane enough to put them together.
1: And I'm insane enough to make a radio story about it. I mean, doing a story on the radio about math is hard enough, and doing one on mime is practically impossible. So this piece is gonna take some work. Case in point, this is the sound of Tim Chartier performing. See what I mean? Not very helpful. So, let me explain what's going on. I found this sketch on Chartier's video reel on the web. It's about remainders and division. Chartier shuffles on stage in a rimmed hat and a clown nose, carrying a piece of luggage. He's not wearing white makeup on his face, and yes, he is using props. You might be thinking, that's not mime, but there are actually different types of mime. Chartier places the suitcase on a table and pulls out three miniature plungers. He makes them interact with one another. One of them competes for the affections of the other two, which leads to some plunger smooching, then jealousy and fighting, and a plunger version of CPR. I have to say that watching Chartier parade these little plungers around, it looks as though they're alive. He pulls out a fourth plunger, and he forms two pairs. All the plungers are happy now. Until Chartier reaches back into the suitcase, eventually pulling out nine more plungers, for a total of 13 on the table. He forms two groups of six, but there's one left over. Chartier looks sad about this. So he regroups them. But no matter what he does with his 13 plungers, regrettably, he's always left with one. 13 is a prime number. Then, at the very end of the sketch, the 13th plunger whispers something into Chartier's ear. He returns to the suitcase one last time, reaches in, and pulls out a toilet brush. The 13th plunger is in love, and Chartier, satisfied at last, shuffles off stage. So, this sketch is a story about remainders. It has characters. Hearts are broken, new relationships are formed, and the audience can relate to what's happening on stage.
2: By infusing that emotional content to it, we can have that in life. We don't want to be the remainder. People fight over the remainder. If you and I split up a cake, maybe we really shouldn't split it in half. Well, why not? That's fair. Not if I really want the slice with my name on it.
1: It's tough to make a sketch like this, where the math is right and the mime is tight. So tough that for a long time it didn't even occur to Chartier to try it. He'd always kept his math and his mime separate, and he excelled at both. He got a PhD in applied mathematics, and he trained with the international mime legend Marcel Marceau. But then, in 2002, after finishing up his doctorate, he got a call from Boulder, Colorado. The library there had just received a grant to put on math-related performances. And they asked him,
2: Would you be willing to be part of these math performances? And I was like, oh, well, I don't do math performances. I'm not sure what you're thinking. Well, you could do your mime show. And I was entirely taken off guard and almost defensive about it. It was like, what are you talking about? It's not a math show oh, but there are wonderful math moments in this thing. I remember, I was like, oh, give me a break. I mean, come on.
1: But when he mentioned this conversation to his wife, Tanya, who's also his mime partner, she didn't even blink. I could see that it could be done.
0: And so I said to Tim, yeah, I think it's clearly a mathematical component. So maybe he needed it pointed out to think about it in a different way.
1: Tim was hesitant at first, but finally he said, okay, let's try it. He and Tanya went through their entire act, honing the sketches that already had a mathy flavor and jettisoning the ones that didn't. And they added new ones intentionally rooted in math, like the plunger sketch. And since that performance in Boulder a decade ago, the Chartiers have managed to maintain their careers and a family, while at the same time touring all over the world with their Mimatics show. They're in real demand. They've performed for audiences that range from 20 to over 3,000, from assemblies for kids to conferences for adults.
2: Math is inherently, in many of its forms, invisible. So I think that using the art form of mime makes the invisible quality of math visible in a way that feels both exciting and natural to a mathematician.
1: A mathematician like Darren Glass. He's chair of the math department at Gettysburg College. Yes, I think it's a lot of fun. Mathematicians, we scribble on pieces of paper, on chalkboard, we get used to it, and here he is enacting these ideas and these pictures that we have in our heads. I spoke with Glass at a conference on recreational mathematics in New York City. Tim and Tanya were there, performing some of their sketches before a crowd of 100 people. Children strained out of their seats to see what was going to happen next. (laughs) They loved it, and the grown-ups loved it. This is a sketch that deals with topology, the study of geometric properties and spatial relations unaffected by the continuous change of shape or size of figures. Obviously. Tim conceals himself inside a large silver slinky tube. It's an industrial-sized dryer vent. Tanya approaches the tube cautiously at first, but then she gets more playful with it, and the tube begins taking on different shapes. It forms an upside-down U, then a periscope, then the letter O. It even steals Tanya's hat, like a hungry elephant trunk. A moment later, it burps it back out.
0: All right, we're going to tie back into thinking about what does this have to do with mathematics?
1: So let's think At about various points about throughout the show, the, the Chartiers, chartiers break their mimey vow of silence for a minute to go over the math inside some of their segments verbally. But then it's back to miming. The Chartiers move through sketch after sketch, each one containing a different math concept, everything from geometric projections to infinity. The closer is the plunger sketch. Afterwards, I wander through the audience to see what they thought of the show. You know, I wouldn't have thought that I liked mime, but actually I was just kind of blown away by what they did. You must have friends that don't like math. Do you think that this would be a good kind of gateway drug for them?
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: I just enjoyed seeing uh, math being performed on
2: the stage, bringing mathematics to to a wider audience.
0: If you're introducing humor and joy and excitement about math and mime, two things that people generally don't like, then you've done your job.
1: But not everybody loved it.
0: It was just not enough math for me to, like, think that it's good.
1: You wanted more math? Yes.
0: Because it's a math conference, so.
1: Ron Lancaster feels the same way. He teaches math education at the University of Toronto. Through all parts
2: of it, I was trying to figure out where the math was, and I was struggling with
1: that. So for you, what would have really made it is if maybe they spent a little bit more time talking about how each sketch connected to certain math concepts.
2: That, that would have helped me immensely.
1: Tim Chartier doesn't mind the criticism because most folks who see the show aren't math experts. The idea is to give those people a foothold, a way into the world of math.
2: My goal in Mymatics is to create a seed that can grow to allow you to delve into mathematics. A very active goal for us is that We are not performing at you. You are not simply sitting back and watching us. You are part of our performance. The way you laugh, the energy, the way that you respond, you can feel us performing in a different way because of you there. Your true performing is when the audience shares that journey with you. Marcel Marceau would say, you lift them to another place. And when you take them to another place, they do not forget you.
1: Which gets back to Chartier's ultimate goal, giving people a positive math experience for once. The reason Mimatics works, he says, is because good mime is inherently transportive. And while the audience is suspended in that other place, their minds are primed to take in new ideas, math ideas. Math might involve numbers and proofs, but it also takes a lot of imagination, just like mime. In fact, Chartier says that working with both makes him better at both, in life and in the show.
2: My greatest gift is in living in these two worlds, mime and math. With mime that's generally made fun of, and math that people generally don't like, then it's almost the fact that it's so unexpected that it penetrates even further. They're not separate for me. It's me, it's how I operate. So what do you love? How different are they? No matter how different they are, you are the intersection of those. So find a way to embrace that intersection.
1: In other words, find a way to love all of yourself, and then declare it to the world as loudly as you can. Or, in Chartier's case, by hardly saying anything at all. I'm Ari Daniel.
0: Imagine you'd now like to see what my Maddox looks like. For some videos of Tim Chartier's performances, plus links to more of Ari's wonderful reporting, visit transistor.prx.org. And we promise another math episode soon, too. While we have you... PRX has an open call going on right now for new science radio pitches. We have a pool of funds we're just waiting to give to audio creators to make stories for Transistor and beyond. All of the independent stories like this one that you've heard so far on Transistor came from past open calls. Get the details at stem.prx.org and be sure to submit your proposal by July 1st. The Transistor team includes me, I'm Genevieve Sponsler, PRX Chief Content Officer John Barth, Erica Lance, and Lily Bowie. Transistor is supported by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More at sloan.org. This is PRX.